0: It's hard enough to create a vision for your business or your life, let alone hold on to it. In this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, we're talking with Martha Beck about accountability and holding that vision true for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today, is Martha Beck. She is the author of many books, including one of my favorites, Finding Your Own North Star, and more recently, Finding Your Way in a Wild New World. She has been a columnist for O, the, the Oprah magazine, since its inception, and is just an all-around great human being. That's That, of course, is just my opinion on that that last <laughs> aspect, but, uh, but that's my opinion. I'm sticking with it. Thanks for joining me,
1: Martha. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here. Thanks.
0: So, um, I as as we talked off air, I am trying to spread some information about uh, the different ways that uh, in business that people do coaching as a business model, consulting as a business model. So, um, you are probably undoubtedly one of the the, the more well known, um, particularly in the life coach area, um, folks that have been doing this for. Uh, a period of time, in, and really, probably in some ways, have, have established a lot of the credibility of the, the industry in general. So, I, I'd love if you just kind of—I'd <laughs> love it if you just kind of talk a little bit about your uh, your model, and, and feel free to delve back into your history or, or whatever you want to cover. But I but I know that people oh, will yeah. find it really instructional to kind of hear what you what you're doing, what your approach is, what you've built.
1: Okay. Yes, I was born on a snowy day. No,
0: <laughs> it was a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: skip to the part where I actually started doing this thing, which I did not call life coaching. I was teaching at business school, American Graduate School of International Management. And that school, because it's international, it has a lot of students who are very, they're there to sort of see the world. They're there to have a life experience and not so much focused on business. So I ended up talking to them about things I wouldn't ordinarily have like if I'd been teaching at Harvard Business School where I'd done a lot of research, I would have—I well, would never have gone off into this odd thing of counseling people to do odd things with their lives. But I found it really, really enjoyable. And, you know, I remember sending one student telling her not to take a final exam but to go out into the desert for a day and a half and come back and tell me what she experienced. And and these these business students were kind of loving this unorthodox approach, and they started hiring me outside of class just to give them advice on their lives and I was like, well, hell, that beat's working (laughs) and then I actually read in the newspaper that I was a life coach and I thought, oh, and I I didn't have (laughs) my business approach was completely scattershot. I just started doing what I really loved for people who asked me to do it and um, then I had so many clients come to me that I ended up writing it all down in a book, Finding Your Own North Star, thinking this is wonderful. They can take the book and they'll never come back. And I can just get back to being a writer and a professor. Well, the book made things way worse in the sense that I had now hundreds and hundreds of people who wanted to work with me. And I ended up creating a coach training program just to supply the demand. So it's kind of a business person's dream come true. You do what you love People just start asking for it in droves, and it ends up becoming a replicable model. Um, I've taught a lot of people to follow that model. For me, it just sort of literally fell out of the sky. So good luck with that, everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, so tell me, so so what's the model look like today then? So you talk about you have, uh, I know you have master coaches or people that you call master coaches now. Are those um, are those licensees, or or do you train them in some manner, or or yeah, are they I just are they just kind of groupy groupies?
1: <laughs> um, I love that. Probably, I hope not. I really the whole the way I train coaches is literally I will teach you to live your own life because I really don't believe that anyone can know the direction of another person's life, especially right now where everything is so variable. You know, my my youngest daughter is just graduating college and she's doing a job that didn't exist when she went into college, huh. right? And it, it's internet-based. So with so much change, I kind of go to this premise that you have to find, kind of steer your way by your by this inner compass, to use the prevalent metaphor. And so that's what I teach coaches to do. So the idea is they will find out who they are specifically. And then there's that great quote from Nelson Bowles, "Your." mission in life is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And uh, that's just a really nice way of framing supply and demand. But that's what we look for. You know, where is there? That particular coach, there are a few tools that you can use that are that will help other people read their internal compasses. But really, your only job is to get enormously clear yourself and then become uh, no, just enough to help somebody else become clear. So I have this pattern of coaching. They, they, they can come in for a six month training or an eight month training to become a basic coach. And if they really want to go on with it, they'll become, they can enter a one year training to be a master coach. I don't have a lot of those. And then the organization kind of formed organically around the coaches that, that wanted, for example, to, structure of business my CEO loves being a CEO so that's why she's my CEO so it's very organic and I would really encourage people to be creative and self-attentive while they if, if you're doing this kind of business really 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 It's such a cliche but follow what you really love yeah, and so, that is really the only thing that works
0: yeah so so there is not the Martha Beck way that people come in and and uh and become you know very attuned to?
1: No, in fact, you know, a lot of people told me that I should franchise, that I should, you know, create a stable of coaches, and it actually goes against my basic working philosophy. But it also goes against what I think is the business trend of the 21st century, which is smaller is better. Yeah. Small, lean, specific, um, targeted. If you get a big bureaucracy, It's kind of a sitting duck in today's economy. Things do not do well as big, bloated clumps anymore. You're much better off having a Uh, micro-entrepreneur. Micro-entrepreneurialism is in its absolute glory days right now, and the people who are doing something that no one else can do are the ones that are thriving.
0: And, of course, the... the, the one of the more popular words today is uh, pivot in business. And I think that that's another aspect of that, that yeah. two years from now when whatever it is that you are doing doesn't exist anymore, you're able to uh, to shift gears, uh, yeah. you know, on, on the fly. Do, do you still personally um, have uh, one-on-one clients that you coach?
1: Every now and then. I mean, I like to sort of develop new tools and mm-hmm. test techniques. So I think odd clients, like I will work with somebody who's like, in a rural town in Africa or I will work with a billionaire and the question is do they? It, what's fascinating is they both need the same things hmm. because my whole premise is if I'm going to teach something as a tool for help pe- helping people live their lives better, it has to work for everyone and that's something I really got drilled into me at Harvard where I did my doctorate and they kept saying look if you're going to make a general principle, a sociological statement about something, it has to be applicable across the board. So I really, it's, it's developing the actual content that I do when I have individual clients now. I'm actually testing my product and making it more powerful.
0: So it's your, labora- that your, I your laboratory, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. It's very much a kind of investigatory research I I was taught to do research to make sure things work. Yeah. So, but I don't teach, I don't coach just to like get people through the day because I have such wonderful yeah. subsidiary coaches who yeah. do that. Yeah.
0: So you also um, still put on uh, a fair amount of, I don't know if I would. What, what's the best way? You call them workshops, maybe almost retreat type uh, events, though, right? Where where I know you yeah. have, have one coming up for. Uh, I think you call it the Wayfinder Workshop. Um, what? Tell uh-huh. me a little bit about that uh, approach, from a business standpoint, and maybe from the consumer standpoint too. I mean, is in some ways is that you know sort of locking yourself away for three days to focus. I mean, is that a better way to to make progress in some in some ways, or or And then from a business standpoint, um, is that something that you really enjoy doing?
1: Yeah, I really enjoy it. And it's a a great way to to give a product to more people in fewer hours by having them join as a group. And then the biggest thing is that I discovered the reason retreats and things exist, and they exist in all cultures, even like pre-modern cultures, is that a small group experience, because of the way our brains are formulated to respond to small groups of others, that's really how we evolved. And so you can have, if you can get someone to go kind of split off from their their usual patterns for a couple of days and then be integrated with a small group, if the facilitator is doing it right, what happens is that um, the person can make more progress in a day than I could do in a year of private sessions. Really, they do. So, for example... One of the things we do is uh, interact with horses, we go to the ocean. I mean, we do all these things we make fire, and they're all things based on evolutionary biology, which is kind of my research background. And the idea is how much change can we create in a person's life in the shortest amount of time? It's like It's almost like a game. How much positive change can we make in one retreat? And that, for me and my facilitators, that's the joy of it. And I, for the customers, it's that you come out of it a different person.
0: Yeah, I know um, in my own experience, you know, it takes me half a day to shut off all the noise. You know, so so I, I kind of need yeah. those big chunks of time if I'm going to make any progress because otherwise I'm, you know, an hour session I'm fidgeting through uh, most of.
1: Yeah, and there's something about, I mean, if you're just one-on-one with a trainer, it's very, very... Um, minimal compared to what will happen to you if you're with a group of like between 12 and 20 other people who are integrated with you in the same experience. Mm-hmm. It's massively powerful. to be, And I know this from things that happened to me in my life. You know, that four days spent doing mediation training completely changed the way I interact with everyone. Mm-hmm. So I I love doing that sort of like, how, how fast can we set somebody free from their from whatever's got them
0: stuck. Yeah, yeah, and I think there are other examples. People that participate in uh, group meditation, and group uh, yoga, and group exercise, and group running—you know, of all kinds—I I think there is uh, a dynamic uh, of, of you know something about groups, and we can we can go as deep as you like to in that. But but I think there really is something powerful about that.
1: Yeah, we're so,
0: social apes. <laughs> so so let's um. um Let's. I I warned you. I was going to just throw some. Uh, I was going to shift gears Yay. and throw some some coaching type softballs. That's really what they're going to be. But 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 they're
1: oh you good. Know. You can hey you can play hardball. <laughs> I'm fun with that. I
0: love it. <laughs> they're the kind of questions that I hear all the time, and I'm certain you hear way more uh, because they they really, you know, are the kinds of things you write about and deal with every day. But uh, um, so I'm just going to throw them in, and you've got to give your, you know, th- these are going to be sort of high level answers, I think, because these are high level questions. But I'm sure people come to you all the time and, and particularly related to your book, uh, Finding Your Own North Star. You know, how do I how do I find my North Star? How do I figure out what I want to do when I grow up? I mean, even people that have owned businesses for years are, are still asking that question. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's really simple. It's it's the game. You're getting warmer, you're getting colder, um, but you play it with your body. And that most people in our cultures denigrate sort of the, the body and, and elevate the mind, but actually the part of the brain that is operating your whole body is far more intelligent than your cognition. So you just look at any experience. Like if you looked at your list of things to do today um, and you were had learned to pay close attention to your body, you would notice a physiological response to each thing on your to-do list. And we are taught to ignore that. We're given a list. Here's your school schedule. Now go do this and apply your attention equally in all areas. And if you don't want to do it, we don't care. So we learn to go sort of numb to the signals from the body. But I mean, I, and because I never coach in generalities, I always coach in specifics. I'm going to use you as like anything, okay? Yep. So think of three things you have to do. For the remainder of the day, I, what are they?
0: I, I have uh, I have writing that I have to do. oh, <laughs> I have a tax, oh. tax return that I have to review uh-huh. and i oh and i and I'm uh, speaking to uh, a group of my consultants uh, f- for about an hour. Those are my three biggies okay
1: okay, so you it, it's very simple. you imagine do imagine doing the tax return. And very just notice without any judgment what happens in your body. Mm-hmm. What happens?
0: Um, my um, shoulders and chest are tightening.
1: <laughs> okay, so any tightness <laughs> means that is not your north star. <laughs> Think about talking to the consultants, to the marketing people for yeah. an hour. Yeah. What happens to your body?
0: Um, I feel really joyful. Is the best way okay. to it. I'm, I'm And what does that feel like physically? It. Physically um, excited. Um, the things you would kind of think, you know, commonly talk about, uh, you know, more energy, more. I'm sitting up straighter, even talking about it, mm. <laughs> things of that nature.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible how susceptible we are. We, we show huge, measurable responses just to, to words being put in front of us, say, in a crossword puzzle that. The psychologists have faked to make to do an experiment. Even the words related to things that are painful for us make us physically slower and more tight. So, I mean, I came out of twelve years of a chronic pain illness that nobody could cure, and I just started doing things that made my body feel better. And in the process, found out that my body was a really good guide, and then figured out that everyone's body is a really good guide. If you, and it sounds so simplistic and the mind says, no, no, it can't right. be that simple. But I swear to God, if you just keep doing more of the things that make your body open and sit up straighter and feel excited and less of the things that make you feel tight across your chest and shoulders, your whole life is going to change and it's going to change in a really good way.
0: All right. Let's um, move, move to another great, uh, great one that I'm sure you get all the time. Uh, you know, business owners, particularly the, the the line between this is probably true of everybody, but I see it in business owners. The line between what they call work and what they call life is non-existent mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> and uh, yeah. but but we still sort of you know some of it maybe is because society tells us we need to have this, or we believe we need to have this mm-hmm. this idea of, of balance. And I and I do have to give you. Um, uh before you answer that uh that idea of you know how do i find work life balance you, you your uh column this month in uh, o magazine uh talking about the the writing uh space uh, i i that covers kind of this work life you know giving yourself a workspace and a true home space um i uh, i actually do a ton of writing um and i Find sometimes if I just slouch on the couch and get my laptop, I'm you know I maybe I can slug out some words, but I'm not very creative, and so I have mm-hmm. an actual room that that's pretty much you know our kids have all grown now, so I have a room that that's pretty much all I do there. And I went and mm-hmm. I found I found this artist a woodworker who um, had had taken a a maple that he uh, cut down a maple tree that he had cut down. That, had some disease in it and he created this incredible uh, writing desk and chair and mm-hmm. um, and that has a whole story uh, behind it uh, and I when I sit in that chair I can honestly say I am a far better writer <laughs> and uh, and so yeah. I, when I read your your column this month of course people go out and get old magazine and read Martha's column but when I read your <laughs> column this this month I I it just really brought that to mind so I had to tell you that story.
1: Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And it's absolutely true that things about that particular chair, the story you've told about the chair in your own head, and I mean, there really are physical situations that are more conducive to working well and to to working in balance. And again, people neglect those. I was the first one to neglect it. Um, And I, I had three kids while I was getting my doctorate, and I just decided to give up sleep. And... You know, that makes total sense from a rationalist point of view, but it turned out to be very unbalanced and not good for anybody. So you found this little place where you can go into a mental state. It's what they call a state-dependent memory. When you're sitting there, the rider kicks in. And then when you go slouch on the couch and your kids are jumping all over you, That's a completely different stage of your life. And what I teach people to do is to give equal value to all of the things they love. And it's so interesting because it used to be harder for women, Mm. but it's now harder for men. Men have actually been given less permission to do the things they love than women right now. So a lot of women are out there going, "Well, do I love this? I don't know. I'm going to try this, and okay, and how do I balance that with the kids and everything?" And in the meantime, I get guys that I'm coaching where they figure out, "Oh, what I really want to do is be outside," and then they go, they have to go home, and and have a fight with their wife because the idea is that men should still be machines that sit at their desks and work. And I think that what you're doing, finding a place. Even the thing of the the tree, we now know that the brain works best the way it evolved, outside with all five senses active, moving. So the closer we get to that, the more effectively we can balance work and life. And if you love doing something that you think isn't your work and you've given up doing it, your work will suffer. Mm -hmm. Really, if you start to cut off pieces of yourself, you can't bring yourself to your career you have to have the guts. All the best things that happened in my career happened while I was skiing. All of them. There's something about getting in that zone and you can call me woo woo if you want, but there is something about being in the zone of things that bring you joy that radiates into your work and makes you go faster. It makes you more efficient. It draws people towards you. It's like all the world loves a lover. If you're doing the things you love, that's how you balance your life. You do what you love first. Um, You know, life is short. Eat dessert first. (laughs) Then you become, you just become a far more productive animal because we are not factory cogs. We are animals. (laughs) Animals need to be happy. (laughs)
0: So so you just teed up my next question that I hear, um, you know, frequently, I am doing what I love, but I'm not making, Mm -hmm. I'm not making enough money.
1: Right, absolutely. And that, I think, is, I had this conversation last night with somebody I was coaching. I think people who feel that way are maybe not tapped in enough to what's happening right now in the world in in terms of the the ways there are to make money. For example, I mentioned my daughter. is; She was going to go to graduate school, but she just was spending too darn much time drawing things on the computer on commission for for the fans of this online epic and so she started just taking commissions to do art online for for fan art Hmm. okay that kind of just drifted into her lap so now if she that people are giving her real money to do that people are giving each other real money to do things like people give me real money to go out into the woods with me and teach them how to be happy There is still an industrial basis for this society, no doubt about it. There's farming and production, but the vast majority of what were the white color jobs are are being completely transmogrified. There is a completely new way of connecting with customers, and you have to go into the, the way it's happening. You have to be able to use the Internet. You have to be able to find the tribe, as Seth Godin calls it, If you can find a 1,000 people who are interested in what you love to do, he says in his book, Tribes, you can support yourself. And I've I've helped, like, hundreds of people do that. And there are so many people who hate the Internet, and I'm sure there are ways to do it without that, too. But I'm telling you, you have to just, let go of the old ways and start exploring the new opportunities for that that combination I mentioned earlier, where does your deep gladness meet the world's deep hunger? Because using these technologies, you can find those thousand people and they will give you enough money to live. And it tends to grow from there. You know, you get a thousand happy people, you're probably going to end up with 10,000 happy people. Yeah. And in a world of 8 billion, that's, that's not asking a lot.
0: That's right. Uh, All right. So I have one more kind of coaching question. I see this a lot. Uh, I, you know everything's going really well. I'm happy. Business is okay, but it's been okay and okay and okay. And I seem, I seem sort of stuck. Like the last, I, I had somebody tell me this exact quote. You know, the last four years I've done exactly what I've you know did the year before, and that's okay. But you know why? You know how do I get off the plateau?
1: And I talk a lot in this last book about taking a leap of faith. Um, and the okay plateau is you know it's a fine place to be so you don't have to jump off until i always tell people don't jump off that plateau until you're really ready to take a leap of faith cuz what you're going to have to do is think of something that you would love and the only reason you're not doing it already cuz you would love it is that you're anxious or downright terrified to do it so take a flying leap into something that would be that you would just be radically fun for you And add that to your business model somehow. And obviously we can't go through every scenario, but if you get creative and there's something you love, I'm going to use you for a guinea pig again, okay? Okay. What what would you love to do? What's on your bucket list that you've never done before or that you've done, you used to do, but you've stopped doing it because you grew (laughs) up and became responsible?
0: I used to spend a lot more time in nature. Um, and mm-hmm. I find myself not doing it anymore, and I have, for the last few years, in fact, wanted, you know, sort of, I can't say desperately, or I would have done it by now, but I have wanted to take some of the people that I coach and consult and create, figure out a way to create a an outdoor experience.
1: Uh, you know, does that sound really that impossible to you <laughs> right now as you say it?
0: Not at all, not at all.
1: It's, it's so obvious, if you're hungry to be out in nature, think how hungry a lot of other people are. Yeah. I mean, when I I went to Africa, and it's like, wow, lions and tigers and bears. No tigers. Uh, no bears either, but lions for sure. Um, I was madly in love with the African bush, and I'm like, dude, I'm turning this into a business opportunity. So, you know, we made these ridiculously... Um, elaborate seminars where you have to get all the way to Africa is the African bush and we do coaching out there and it's been I remember the planning session we had one person who was like wait there's no there's no program for this there's no institutional (laughs) guidelines we can't do this and the rest of us us just looked at her and said we never do anything in institutional guidelines and you know it was like I was scared it wouldn't work for a while and, and then it just got it just kicked in and is you know, oversold years in advance now.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome.
1: So, dude, get outside and find the people who want to go outside with you. You're going to have so much fun. I,
0: I, I know that's uh, absolutely true. My uh, daughters have uh, all grown up, and <clears throat> but we spent... Oh, I can't tell you how many times—probably three dozen—you know—weekends on on canoe trips on rivers and things—and it was really just, you know, it was some of the most joyful time I spent. So I, I, I hope I hope they think the same thing, but I mean, I, I've really. And how awful. many
1: times? How hmm. many times in your business have you referred to something you learned on a canoe trip and <laughs> had it be helpful?
0: All the time. All the time.
1: Constantly. Yeah. So take a canoe trip with a bunch of guys or women or whatever, and tell them apply that to the rest of their lives.
0: So, in case anybody's listening, these were hypothetical examples. Uh, Martha was not, not not actually coaching John Chance here. No,
1: he's taking a canoe <laughs> seminar. Everybody, <laughs> send him emails. I, I tell you, Dunn, if you do it, they will come.
0: Yeah, I, I know. They're feel the breeze. I will. All right. So uh, you heard it here. Uh, I've been I've been uh, I've been outed. Uh, and I will there you uh, have, go. To, have to take it forward. So it uh, newer? <laughs> tell me what you're most excited about right
1: now. Jeez, um, uh, I'm so thrilled. To, I'm, I moved to this property in California. I called it a ranch, but it's really just a patch of national forest. And um, I've been taking people out there and doing uh, horse whispering work and animal tracking and all these different types of experience and it's almost like a circus where you go in and there are all these different things you can go to 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 change depending on what my coaches and I feel will change people most and it's like it's just ridiculously fun. No, this it's
0: is a just, place you. This is a place you own. You mean that the or yeah. just oh okay
1: cool cool. Yeah, I got so passionate about taking people into nature and. I, at a certain point, I just got this overwhelming feeling. I need to just own a chunk of nature to keep it safe and to give people these experiences and so that I never have to leave. I came back from a month in, Af- in the African bush last year in I- to Johannesburg, and I just looked out of the window and I said, I can't do cities anymore. Yeah. So... Beware where these canoe trips will take you, John. But it will be oh well, I, th-
0: I think it's t- I think it's time. You know, uh, I'm, I'm I i do not want to do this forever, so I better get on. Uh, I better get on that part of it.
1: Yeah, something's telling you to run outside. Run outside. Yeah. The business will follow you. I promise,
0: Martha. We uh, have have used up all the time that you graciously allotted me. But uh, as always, this was great, and I. I, I Swear, if I had about ten more questions, uh, I, it would be uh, it would be awesome for our listeners. But I, I I definitely appreciate you taking the time. I know you're very very busy, and I hope, uh, may, you know, maybe I'll end up uh, tracking some animals with you out there in, in California. Somewhere.
1: Oh, that would be so great! <laughs> yeah, come on out. We will have a blast. All right.
0: Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, take care.